0: hope you brought an apple for the teacher, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts,
1: Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome yet again, faithful scholars, to another edition of the Star Seminar, your team-taught class in advanced footballology, specifically in footballology of the greatest franchise the sports world has ever known in human history your Dallas Cowboys and they are in fact great because they just spanked the hated division rival New York Giants and we're here to talk about that and to look forward to their next spanking which will be against the non-division non-rival Carolina Panthers but before we do that I have to welcome in my colleague my comrade in arms the great Dr. Danny Phantom dr phantom how are you on this fine thursday
2: well i'm feeling better you know after that intro um just uh, to, uh the spankings we're about to witness feel, feel A good about spate that of
1: spankings
2: so i'm I'm happy about that it's i'm excited about this this week and but i'll tell you this Rabs, is i'm i've been really busy i know you have too and of course we're kind of moving over moving into to the thanksgiving week and uh Things get really busy then. You got like just a short week and try to get things done. Uh, But then, of course, we get to enjoy a nice Thursday game of Cowboys football. But I will say this. uh, You know, I I think I don't know what what it is, but I feel like I just I don't enjoy the Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving like I used to. I used to like I, I really look forward to it because it guaranteed me a nationally televised game. And back when we were younger, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get, and what we don't have. You know, we don't have the have it so good. We didn't have it so good as we do now, with we can you can see all the games don't matter. Um, but I just feel like there's so much going on. There's with the family, you know, and the, with the food, and everything. there's a lot of stuff happening. So It kind of just muddles up my Cowboys and you know watching experience. So I kind of wanted to ask you. I mean, since I've kind of grown sour of cowboys playing on thanksgiving i wanted to know where your feelings are I like i do you,
1: do you like the cowboys playing on thanksgiving man you and i are basically the same person oh really i thought you were gonna uh, just... so i i think i think our trajectories uh and correct me if i'm wrong i i get the sense in listening to you that our trajectories are similar in that when we were younger we loved it mm-hmm. because we had less responsibility on thanksgiving oh yeah so so it's for me the the real transition has been since i've been married um, the, you know, holidays of course take on an added significance and, um, because I'm a traditionalist in terms of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving meals, I tend to do all the cooking and I'm also a decent cook. So I do all the, I do all the cooking on Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, so I, so I'm doing all the, all, all of that and, Making sure that that works and making sure that everybody's happy and well fed becomes my priority. So I'll be honest with you, dude. I don't ever miss a cowboy game, but <laughs> um, I oftentimes don't see all of the game on Thanksgiving. Ooh, and there's there's many there's many times when I don't watch the Thanksgiving game until after all the dishes are done and after the turkey soup is made. Yeah, that's. I mean, so I, I'm not at that point. Maybe I will. You
2: know, I have a couple more years before I catch it. Uh, so maybe I'll feel different. Yeah, 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 little, yeah. That's but... right. Okay, just remind me again that I'm
1: the, I'm, I'm the geriatric here.
2: <laughs> but I mean, you're talking to a guy that missed trick or treating with you know his granddaughter because there, I I thought I could I thought I could do it, but I just couldn't do it when when it came time. It's just I I just can't do it. So I my family knows this about me though. They're and they are very um understanding. I will say this, but like when we have people over or something. My head is still in the game and I'm, you know, I'm sorry for that. And yeah. it's just yeah. how things are. But I mean, it, fortunately. I, I, a-
1: yeah. I have to say it's really hard to sit there and enjoy Thanksgiving dinner between the hours of like 4.30 and 7.30 when I know very well that there's something that I care about that's happening. Just a click of the remote away.
2: Yeah. My my wife is really good at trying to time the food being ready at halftime. So, mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. I, i'm grateful for that but it's yeah it's but it, like you know like i said before it's it is kind of it's it gets a little bit frustrating when you have so much happening and i would like to be a better family person you know and just it's just too much going on so it's it's not the same
1: experience right exactly um uh, speaking of uh, of uh not the same experience where you we do have an opportunity this week to play a, uh, an opponent that the Cowboys don't play with great regularity yeah. in the, in the Carolina Panthers. So we're going to talk about the Panthers. We're going to look forward to the Panthers, but before we do, um, I do want to talk about the state of the Cowboys and in, in the wake of their, uh, dominant. And I do mean dominant mm-hmm. victory over the, uh, hapless division rival giants. But as a way into that, I would love to ask you a question. Um, you know, when we think about something like the Panthers, it's it, they, they sort of they sort of along the lines of you know there's the Jaguars, these other teams that are just kind of nondescript. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so my question for you is, if we were to rank the NFL's eight divisions from the most interesting to the least interesting, where does the NFC South fall for you?
2: Who? <laughs> that's interesting. So, well, first off, I'll say it falls at the bottom of the NFC. Um, so that's the easy part for me. I uh, so the question now is: is do I? Where do they compare to the AFC South? Because that's kind of the the bottom of the AFC, in my opinion. So, uh, I you know because I'm just an NFC guy. I guess I would probably put them seventh. Is is my ranking? Um, yeah, because I mean I, honestly, you know, there's. There's a lot of history with the the NFC and then those teams and like the the, Chicago, the Bears and the Packers and stuff. Like the North, you gotta love the division for and and the West too. A lot of good teams and stuff. But I feel like they're just not. a lot. I mean, who, the the South has just been so bad. I mean, you know, I mean, you had the the Saints had the run with Sean Payton and of course there's little spurts here with um, Dan Quince Falcons or you know. Uh, Obviously, the Tom Brady Bucks, Tom Brady Bucks, and then what is it, John Fox? And the, and Fox, the Cam, uh, and the Cam Newton Panthers. Cam, yeah. I mean, they've all
1: been to Super Bowls. They've all been
2: Super Bowl, but they've also also been bad a lot. You know, yeah. for a large part of it. So, I, they're they're just got to be near the bottom. I, I I would probably take them over the AFC South. So I I put them at seven. What were you stick
1: I I would, I think you are absolutely spot on with that. I would say exactly the same thing. It's it's really fascinating when we think about this, and maybe because it's those divisions that are kind of the newly formed divisions, Mm -hmm. but that you know, so that in our in our NFL watching experience, maybe somebody who started you know becoming a fan in the early two thousands when the current divisions were already in place might feel differently. But it just feels like those divisions are kind of afterthoughts for teams that didn't have big enough markets to to influence the, the alignment. I don't really feel about any of them particularly one way or the other. Um but uh we're still gonna have to we're still gonna have to talk about the Panthers. Before we before we do though, I, I want to talk about the Giants game in the larger context of where the the, the, the team is and I want I'd like to do it this way. I would like to offer you a checklist Ooh. of all the things and many of the things that we've talked about, of all the things we were hoping to see from the Cowboys, in particular from the Cowboys offense. And these are things that we talked about, that you and I have talked about in previous pods, that we weren't seeing, or things that we hoped we saw, or things that would give us confidence, like more explosive plays in the passing game. So mm. I'm going to give you a, a list of of, of um, a checklist, and I want you to tell me whether that box was checked against the Giants. Okay, so I'm just going to go down the list, and then we'll talk about the sort of like, okay, what does that mean given what we've checked off on our little handy dandy one pager here? Okay. What do you say? Yeah, sounds good. All right, so the first one is we got to get Brandon Cooks involved. Brandon's got to start oh, cooking. Man, Did they get Brandon Cooks involved. Did
2: they ever? Yeah. Okay, so that's a check. That's right? a big check. Yes.
1: Okay. The other one that we we've heard is we've got to get Jace, uh, uh, Jake Ferguson more involved. Yeah, check it. Okay. Protect Dak Prescott. Don't expose him to the kind of rush that we saw against the Eagles.
2: Yeah, that was a surprise check to me.
1: Great. And this is the one that you know is always big for me, man. Generate explosives in the passing game.
2: Oh, yes. How about that Mike McCarthy? Yeah, check that one.
1: Big time. Huge, huge, huge play after huge play after huge play. Some of which even happened on Dak Prescott throwaways. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other is, I think, improve the running game. And not necessarily in terms of yardage or anything like that, but I think the thing that we've, we've wanted to see is that the running game improves in terms of efficiency, which in its most sort of like basic version would be like, is there yards per carry high? Are they getting the most out of the carries they do? I don't need to see a lot of carries, but I want to see effective carries. Did we see that? Yeah, this is the one I was worried about, but yeah, they we did. So that gets checked I, as well. I think so too. So we got a lot of box checking so far. How about this one? We need to get second round draft pick, Mister Schoonmaker, going. Uh, actually, I'm going to have to say a no on that one. I th- I would agree. I think that that's a that's its as yet to be checked box. Um, here's another one in the West Coast system. One of the things the West Coast system is famous for that we've been talking uh, about is using short easy passes on first downs as runs. As so substitutes for runs that are, that you know are going to be effective because you're going to be able to get between three and six yards.
2: Yeah. You know what? Probably one of my favorite things that was checked.
1: I I would agree. I mean, there were so many times where like little, little, little places, little plays where Brandon cooks or CD lamb or Jake Ferguson would kind of like release and there'd be a short pass. And suddenly they'd be in second and four and or second and three. And it was amazing. Um, Did we get more Rico Dowdle? Oh, we got more Rico. We got more Rico. Okay, so that was one of the things we also wanted to see. We've seen that he's running with a certain level of ferocity. We wanted to see more carries and more more Rico, especially more Rico the second level, and boy, did we get that. Um, Staying with the same position group, we want to see more from our good friend, the small running back, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, You know, I mean, he
2: played more, but I'm going to have to say – That's going to be a a non-check for
1: me. I would agree. I I think we need to have a – I mean, I I don't want to be a hater, but I think we need to have another serious talk about about Deuce Vaughn and his – That's fair. His viability. And the last thing I think that we we were all hoping to see is that Dak either does or is allowed to use his feet more, especially – on third downs, which we know can be an absolute backbreaker and and sort of a psychological crusher for opposing defenses.
2: Honestly, Rabs, I w- have never been more impressed with the decision making of when Prescott chose to break contain. It, I mean,
1: that, that is a bold check to me. So we got a lot of a lot of checks here, right? So we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We had ten ten things on our checklist. Eight of them got checked. And that's a lot. That's a lot for one that game. That is my a friend. lot. That is so, a lot. So, w- what I want to throw out to you is: to what do you attribute that? What what's going on here with the Cowboys? And I guess we don't have to answer this right away. But the thing that, of course, plagues and haunts all of us is: is is this about the Giants and just the fact that they're a dumpster fire, or is this about real, durable, <laughs> repeatable changes that are happening to our beloved Cowboys?
2: The things that we saw and the things that the Cowboys actually did was some of the motion, not just using motion a, a lot, but just some of the the maneuvering where they just motioned outside to create more spacing. Dude, and honestly, that should be on our check. That should be a checkbox. and, they, and they, uh,
1: they they checked it in spades.
2: Yeah, I mean, I when I watched the the rewatched the game and looking at the tape, I'm just like thinking to myself, and I'm seeing all this room and all mm-hmm. these little. And even uh, Greg Olson even commented about, you know, the phases of the routes that they, they're on, the, on one pass that they had. That was just – it just seemed like it was just so easy for Prescott to make decisions, find the, the gaps in, in, in the secondary, and find receivers. And, I mean, here's the thing, too, is not only were receivers wide open and we were getting good plays from that, but even when they were covered – Dak was just happened to just put in the ball, I mean in, in perfect spots. Yeah, so, that, I mean, that,
1: that that long touchdown to gallop. I mean, it was put in like a little glass of water. That was the yeah. only place where he could catch it, and it was right there, right over the right over the defender's, uh, you know, outside shoulder. just I, right right in a tiny little bucket. So I mean,
2: Prescott played really extremely well, and like I don't, mm-hmm. that's not something that I think you can expect to see, you know, on a week in a week out. He was just he was really filling at that game. But I do think there are some other things that we can see. And but I think one of the bigger questions is, you know, I just it I'm just baffled why this is just happening now. Does it doesn't make sense to me. It, I feel like you know, I hear people say, well, you know what, he's not gonna be showing all his cards and stuff. And it's like, no, I don't think I don't subscribe to any like, you know, we're just gonna we'll we'll play with a good place later when it counts. So the Cowboys gonna to win games right now. They want to go out to, in against San Francisco and Philadelphia. And do their very best. They're not saving anything. So, but it just—it looks so contrasting as far as how well th- they were. I mean, with the, with the play calling and the motion stuff, and just how organized mm-hmm. everybody was. I mean, there was no coordinated. Yeah, there was. No, they had an offensive coordinator who
1: coordinated the offense.
2: There was no pre-snap penalties, Rabs. I mean, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. if you look at it, there was a couple instances where where Dak lost track of the play clock but he got bailed out by um McCarthy uh, mm-hmm. but I will say that I mean these are the things that the good teams do and the Cowboys were doing that and it but it's super contrasting that's the part that I'm really trying to understand like why why I mean I know they had to buy a week they were able to had some time to figure some things out but now all of a sudden they seem like a different team and I don't understand why
1: what What's really changed for this team? Do you have any thoughts? I do. I think this is – I think there's a um, – and this goes back to stuff I've said. This is. I'm not doing any original thinking here. I'm just um, kind of confirming my priors. But uh, McCarthy, when asked about how they managed to unlock Brandon Cooks, his response had to do with protection. And he basically said, and and and, and a couple of like the local radio guys, like on one hundred five point three, um, like played this, played his response during the presser, and kind of poo pooed the response. But I, and I thought, oh no no, you guys are missing it. He just told you the truth, and the truth is. Brandon cooks was able to get open because they were able to protect long enough for those slower developing plays that allow him to make the big plays where he gets that separation. know that one, that one down the scene that I mean, the dude just grabbed his ankle or it was, or it was a touchdown. And of course there was a, there was at least two big crossers from like right to left that were, that were big, like mm-hmm. 25, 30 yard gains. Those don't happen if you're not protecting. I feel like, and and also, let me say this: I feel like the running game and its efficiency um, is is growing by leaps and bounds because we're seeing lighter boxes. We're seeing lighter boxes because Brandon Cooks and C.D. Lamb mm-hmm. and Michael Gallup are are and Jake Ferguson and everybody are you know reeling off twenty plus yard explosives all the time and therefore you think to yourself as a defensive coordinator what's the most dangerous thing that i need to protect against obviously it's the explosive play in the passing game you move your safeties back you move your linebackers back and then guess what yeah suddenly guys are suddenly guys are on the linebacker in the second level instead of going up against eight-man boxes all the time mm-hmm. when you look at the running game and you you see um with the continuity
2: of the offensive line and how they are climbing to the second level you're seeing good good blocking you know out there and, and the, the running backs are finally getting a shot to where you know and there was several runs in this game where you, there was arm tackles that just did not work and, and Rico or Tony Pollard would would just keep it going and then turn off bigger runs and then as you mentioned before too having to respect that pass where you can't be sitting there and cheating up on the line of scrimmage makes a big difference too because when you're not when you're not able to to employ you know like several defenders right there and you can't get hats on hats. Uh, it's a big difference. And, and Cowboys runners are getting a head start and a running start. And mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just making more efficient runs. So, yeah, I mean, all these things are, are coming together. It reminds me
1: a lot of that stretch in, up to the New England New England game in 2021 when they had, I mean, they had an array of, of you know, with the Southern Mari Cooper, an array of receivers, a, a, a C.D. Lamb who was on the come. Mm-hmm. And they were hitting deep passive, deep pass. And, and, you know, Cedric Wilson, everybody was getting involved, right? Michael Gallup was getting involved. They all were getting involved. And Zeke, even though he didn't have, he was a shell of the 2016 and 17 Zeke, Zeke and Pollard were just reeling off six, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, big runs that, and, 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 you know, and they're getting the second level almost effortlessly all the time. This reminds me a lot of that. And it's because you have to respect the thing that's the most dangerous. And what's most dangerous right now is that Dak is absolutely going to um, dissect you yeah. if if you give him any time. And the, the offensive line's giving him time. Yeah. I'll tell you what, there's a guy whose offensive line is not giving him time, yeah. and that is first overall pick Bryce Young. So let's, let's shift our focus from a team that is setting records for excellence. Dude, this is the most offensive yards the Cowboys have gotten since 1966 oh it's goodness. crazy and since since, yeah. since bob hayes forced people to come up with a zone defense oh wow the panthers are not enjoying quite so much so it is time in fact for rabble's roundup it's time for rabble's roundup you know for rabble's roundup i love to talk about the spine so let me ask you this how many of the of the people who are in the spine if we talk about the owner, the general manager, the head coach, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback? How many of those five key positions can you name or are you familiar with? Two. <laughs> I'm only familiar So who are the two? Who are the two that you're familiar well, with? Well, I
2: know their I know their head coach, Frank Wright. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And I know their first round the first overall pick of the draft uh, you know, Bryce Young. Uh, that's
1: that's all i know i feel like and the thing and the thing about that is you don't know them necessarily from carolina right you know them from from their exploits exactly yes yeah so let's talk about listen this is this is a bad bad team and i think it's a bad bad organization we talked last week about the giants and the, the sort of gms and head coaches they've been cycling through and how that's a mark of a bad organization that's illustrated yet once again here so let's talk about the owner so david tepper is the owner he was a guy who made his money in finance um under his ownership they the panthers have not had a winning season they gave a seven-year fully guaranteed 62 million dollar contract to matt rule then fired him a couple of years into his contract gave up too much draft capital to trade up and draft bryce young probably etc um you've heard me talk a lot about how important continuity is and, and for all the For all the reasons that are, and rightly so, all the reasons we get after the Joneses, I think we have to also admit, like they're doing, they do a really good job of creating philosophical and institutional continuity. So that, so that, like Will McLean and his guys know who they can go after because it's the same kind of players year after year. Because Mm -hmm. the coaching staff wants the same kind of guys year after year. They don't rotate coaches in and out. The bad teams do that. So Tepper has failed miserably in this regard. He inherited the winningest coach in the Panthers ever had, Ron Rivera, before the 2018 season. He fired Rivera late in 2019, replaced him with with Perry Fuel for a final four games. Then he hired Matt Rule, who we just talked about. He signed a seven-year contract, lasted less than a third of that and then they then they sort of promoted Steve Wilkes, who coached the final 12 games of the 22 season on interim basis, went six and six, gave some hope for uh, for becoming the permanent head coach, didn't get the job. And now they hired Frank Reich, who is one and seven. Um, they have a g- the general manager who actually came up through the Seahawks uh, organization, a guy named Scott Fitterer. Uh, he was an area scout. He worked for them for like 20 years. was a decade as an area scout. And then in rapid succession was the director of college scouting, the co-director of player personnel, vice president of football operations, et cetera, et cetera. He was named the GM of the Panthers in, in January of 21.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: it shouldn't surprise us that his team building philosophy resembles that of his mentor Seahawks GM John Schneider friend of Brian Broaddus's um in the 21 draft Fitterer went on a Schneider-esque trading spree that resulted in the Panthers moving up or down the draft five times um and a lot of his guys have fit the Seahawks player profile big rangy guys with athleticism we're talking about J.C. Horn mm. and offensive tackle at Ikema and offensive outside linebacker Amari Barno Um, But he's also overseen a couple of head-scratching, headline-making trades that were headline-making not in a good way. The first, of course, is dealing away Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. He got, got some capital for that, but then he gave away a lot of it. He gave away a wheelbarrow filled with picks to move up to select Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. We actually just heard this week that it seems like – we heard from the owner – it seems like they had a deal to trade up the second pick, and then Houston backed out at the last minute, and they got desperate, and they traded the ranch to trade up to number one so they could get their guy. So, what, uh, so basically – uh, we'll talk a little bit about that compensation, but, but even before that, before selecting Young, they'd been on that quarterback carousel. He traded picks for journeyman quarterbacks in Sam Darnold and mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield. Right. Darnold cost three premium picks, and then, the, and then they, they 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 were sort of forced, their hand was forced to exercise his fifth-year option, $18.9 Um uh, on the guy who was the lowest-rated passer in his final year in New York. And so to get Young, they, they gave the ninth pick, the 61st pick in 2023, They gave him a first pick in 2024, which is almost certainly going to be a top three pick. They gave him a second round pick in 2025, and they gave up emerging superstar wide receiver D.J. Moore, who actually was amazing against the Cowboys when they played them in 21, I think. Mm -hmm. He absolutely crushed the Cowboys, and uh, they couldn't stop him. And so as a result of these and other maneuvers, they've assembled one of the worst rosters in the league and left the team with limited cap space and limited draft assets to really do much to improve it. And so here's here's our friend Frank Reich. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail. I do think it's, it's you know, the the, thing, the way I like to remember Reich is this. I, first of all, he's an offensive-minded head coach. We'll remember that he worked under Doug Peterson when the Eagles yes. miraculously won Super Bowl 52, leading an offense headed by Nick Foles after Wentz tore his ACL late in the year. And and frankly, once he left, the Eagles and Wentz in particular were never the, never the same. So I think we have to think about him a little bit as a quarterback whisperer. And also, he's no stranger to discontinuity, right? Because um, when he was in Indianapolis, he had a winning record. He was 40 and 33 and won, and he got playoff burst in 18 and in 2000, uh, 2020, rather. But he worked with a different quarterback in every season of his tenure. They just couldn't get that head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback, you know, that, that keep the key middle of the spine settled on. So he worked obviously with Andrew Luck who then retired and ruined the whole equation. Uh, Then, and then they turned to Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, I mean, recycling all these sort of old tired arms before his stint was cut short during the 22 season. Um, One, one side note, was that, you know, during his first three seasons at the helm, who who do you think his offensive coordinator was? The guy with the most punchable face in the NFL. The most punchable face? In the NFL. Oh, no. Division, no. Hated, hated, Are you serious? Hated head no. coach, yeah, Nick Sirianni. There's Nick Sirianni. Oh. So they say, They share a lot of the same philosophical beliefs, which is they want to be aggressive on fourth down, they want to scheme explosive plays, particularly in the ground game, and they want to, they want to have an efficient scoring unit. So I'm not going to go into too much detail here because I think the, the key point is that regardless of offensive philosophy, none of it is working. I mean, like literally none of it is working. And I think one of the issues is also is that their offensive coordinator is a guy named Thomas Brown, who, is, who was hired uh, from the Sean McVay coaching tree, spent three seasons with the Rams, including their Super Bowl run when he was the his, assistant head coach and uh, and running backs coach. And the two of them have tried to come together and kind of create an offense. It's a hybrid, and they, they've tried to say a lot of nice things publicly about how this is working. But the reality is none of this is working. The Panthers' offense is, has been dysfunctional since week week one. Frank Reich started with uh, play calling duties, gave them away earlier in the year, but now is, is is taking them back. He just announced actually earlier today that he's going to be taking back the play play calling duties. And um, Thomas Brown was like, oh, yeah, this happens. But it was very, very obvious in the press conference where he was being asked about this, that he was deeply, deeply unhappy mm-hmm. and and found it kind of offensive that he wasn't really given a chance. Um he was given a couple opportunities to support his offensive coordinator and decline both of those. Now he's taking. I'm sure he's doing this to save his job, right? Uh, if he's going to go down the sinking ship, he's going to be the one at the helm. I wanted to say a couple of quick things about Bryce Young, which is that he's been off. He's been truly awful. There was a chart that actually came out earlier today on Twitter that shows that actually he has been one of, if not the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. But he's also throwing to receivers who are the least open of any receivers. In the nfl so it's possible that i mean he has the tools and the ability to do some damage against the cowboys because he has actually shown himself to be pretty pretty accurate according to certain certain metrics but i just don't think that he's been given any of the tools he needs to succeed bill Parcells used to uh, talk to the media all the time that and talk to them about the fact that players fail because organizations don't allow them and don't build the, the structure for them to Succeed. I think that's exactly what's happening, at the, certainly at the beginning of Young's career. And of course, I think the thing that makes it all worse is the fact that the guy was picked right after him. CJ Stroud is oh. having a monster season, Dan Marino-esque season. So, you know, he's looking terrible by comparison and people aren't willing to give him the, that sort of rookie growing period because, hey, here's another rookie, you're just needing it. So why can't we have that guy? So I, I think the, the long and the short of it is this is the worst roster the Cowboys have played this year, certainly, even though they've played the Giants, the Jets, and the Cardinals. And um, it may be the worst team they've played in some time. They're, they're, this is a really, really bad team that seems to be uh, a very toxic culture and one in which a lot of people are playing CYA. And um, I just have a hard time imagining that they can do anything to to challenge the Cowboys. I'd be so sh- I'd be shocked if the Cowboys don't win by multiple touchdowns.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And I, you know, just to what you talk about too, I I, I feel bad for. I when you talk about like, you know, when you see what C.J. Sh- Shroud is doing, and um, and you you see also too the fact that they they are likely to be the worst team in the league, are likely to have the number one overall pick. That does, and have nothing to show for yeah, it. Yeah, and not it doesn't even they don't even get it. And mm-hmm, so I mean mm-hmm. you could even say like you know what messed up with the one guy, but maybe you know Caleb um, could come in there and solve our problems and stuff. But no, so they just kind of have to watch all
1: that unfold. Um, but no, or or I mean like even if you have a number one pick and you you trade back and get a bunch of assets and you and you get like a top flight pass rusher or mm-hmm. a top flight offensive tackle to help this kid out, but they're they're just gonna they have nothing to show for it. Yeah. It's really bad. It's
2: sad. It makes me sad. Um, mm-hmm. But you know what? Yeah, I, I'm gonna try to make bring a, a little happier spin on things. And...
1: Ooh, is it time, pray tell, for Phantoms Five? It's time for the Phantom Five.
2: <laughs> Do it slowly.
1: Mm. Do it again. It's time for the Phantom Five.
2: I got some things I want to run through. Right, so, item the first. So, I mean, and you kind of segued into this for me, um, talking about just how really terrible the Panthers are. And so I wanted to, try to figure out just exactly how bad they are. And and they're mm. basically really bad in, in almost all of the metrics that you could look at. But uh, one of the ones that we particularly respect, uh, the DVOA. Uh, so actually, it turns out, like, the New York Giants are the worst in league in DVOA. And they're minus 47.3%. And honestly, I don't think that would have surprised us after what we saw last week. I mean, listen, part of that's because the Cowboys have made them the worst. They the have league. made, yeah, that, that's true. Uh, but now the Cowboys turn and go from that to, to the, the next worst uh, team in DVOA, which they're at minus 34.3%. So, I mean, mm. the Panthers are really bad on both sides of the ball. You can at least say, well, the Giants have some players on defense. Because uh, we knew that Tommy DeVito wasn't going to get it done. And, uh, but they had some, some players on defense. We can't even say that with Carolina. They got Brian Burns, who's actually a good re- edge rusher. Um, mm-hmm. and you can kind of point to, like, a Jeremy Chen over here and a, and a player over there that's like, you know... I, I, J.C. Horn, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but and then offensively, too, no weapons. Not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got... Uh, Adam Thielen is their top receiver. They got... Uh, DJ Shark. DJ Shark. Uh, Jonathan <laughs> uh, Minko, which is actually you know promising rookie stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. he's not doing things like the Tankdales are and the other rookie receivers are that, as you see, he's just kind of like lost in, you know, in Carolina. Just nothing happening. And you t- talked on the running game, too. You mentioned uh, Chuba Hub- Hubbard. And he's now their lead back, and that's because Miles Sanders is basically just completely ineffective. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can kind of see where that was more of a systems <laughs> thing. But honestly, my first point being is just the Panthers. There's just no path for them to to really put up a fight and and beat these Cowboys. Beat this Cowboys team. So that's number one. Um, number two, I uh, looking at this team. There one thing that they do do a lot of. And they, they throw the ball a lot. Uh, they don't run the ball well, so they don't do it a lot. So they have a 64% pass play percentage, which is third most in the NFL. Uh, of course, they are you know typically playing from behind. Uh, as mentioned, Sanders and, and Hubbard, completely ineffective. So if the Panthers get themselves into a pass-happy situation, which I really feel like it's inevitable, I'd, how could it not? Be? How yeah. could it not be? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be over. And uh, Micah Parsons, you mentioned him, Rabs. He, it, I mean, he fluctuates back and forth, but right, he's right now, once again, has the best pass rush win rate rate in the NFL, thirty four percent. So, and I know people talk about like you know he's not getting the sacks necessarily, but you could just you see what kind of disruption he has on that uh, defensive line, and
1: and I, and I have to tell you after the Giants game, I think he's going to be a little bit pissed off.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, he, Mike has always, I feel like he always has some playing with something to prove. That's just kind of his mentality and stuff. But um, yeah, it, it would not surprise me at all to see Micah just have one of those monster games for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But when I do try to like close my eyes and envision, envision myself, you mentioned Arizona, the, by the way, Arizona third worst DVOA. So uh, just something mm-hmm. to keep in mind too. I mean, um, if Carolina somehow was able to pull off this upset, like what would really have to happen? And I searched and I searched and and I really think the the only way I see this happening is uh the Giants had one real scoring drive last week when the Cowboys still had their starters in. They they, they scored ten points in the fourth, but Cowboys had you know they they had yeah players. so and they were they
1: weren't they were just playing yeah, to yeah. to. End the game, right? Mm-hmm.
2: But that one real scoring drive, what the Giants did do is they got some good runs. Uh, they got seventy-one yards between Saquon Barkley and and, and Tommy DeVito, and uh, and and the one thing the Cowboys can do is he can slip up and they can kind of be a little bit over aggressive and not be, you know, disciplined and, and lose sight of things and they'll they'll be going for those those big those big plays and then of course look at he got DeVito running around. I mean, how many times have we seen a quarterback? Just scamper off and get a and get a good run because the Cowboys were just no. not cut, not being disciplined. So, if that happens, I can see Carolina getting having some success. I mean, Bryce Young is a young player; He's, he can run the ball. Um, so, there's there's some opportunity there. I, I I can see the Cowboys. That'd be one area that that could give them problems. But I mean, I don't think that it's going to be anything that's you know going to be able to keep them. In the game, so look for a big win from the Cowboys. But I think one thing we will see more of this week is I think we'll see more running from the Cowboys' offense. You know, we talked about how they checked off that box with better runs, more more Rico. I think item number four is the Dowdle Dabble, and this is because the, did you just say the Dowdle Rabble? No dabble dabble, I want to dabble, oh the dabble, I want a little more rico i mean i I was great to see him have double digits, but I really want to see i just want to see him more involved and he's healthy yeah. he's healthy and you know he's all he's been fighting health issues his entire career, he looks good this year honestly
1: let me let me ask you I'm sorry to interrupt, let me ask you a question when you watched him run. Especially, I know you. I know you rewatched the game when you watched him, and then had, had an opportunity to rewatch at your leisure. Which recent, you know, the last fifteen years or so, Cowboys running back did he remind you of? Ooh,
2: you know what? It's funny you said that because um, uh, there was a couple times where I watched him this last week, and I he kind of reminded me a little of short Choice, um, mm-hmm. but I mean Rico's a little bit more physical. Uh so I, I don't know who who does he remind you of?
1: Marion Barber.
2: Oh, I don't Marion Barber?
1: Yeah, I think there's a physicality and there's even a sort of like bow-legged running <laughs> style and the way he the way he the way he uh s- accelerates and 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 initiates contact. There were several runs where I was like that was a barberrest like a young like the early Marion Barber before he lost his step. I
2: do see that little kick step too where he does do that. You're right. I see that uh yeah, he I mean he's he's running hard and honestly I wouldn't mind, and this is not a knock on Tony Pollard, but I wouldn't mind the Cowboys kind of reversing roles to where he. And we talked about this before the season even began that we kind of feel like Pollard would just he he flourishes in that uh, secondary running back role. That's what he's been his entire career, and um yeah. And I I would like to see like Rico take on some of the heavy lifting and and let Pollard come in fresh legs and and just kind of be more of that
1: that other guy, and so. I think part of it also is just about the identity of the team. Like one of the things that one of the reasons why I bring up uh, a Marion Barber is because when he was running, that they were just a more physical, more intimidating team. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that the same thing is true. I mean, you listen, you can intimidate with speed, but but NFL players are intimidated by nothing more so than physicality and if you have a running back who can get to the second level with a full head of steam and make a move and, and and break a tackle and and you know um do some damage against a safety who's trying to close that 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 softens a, a defense that that gets people scared yeah. and so watching him run so violently last week i was thinking wow this could be the cowboys identity in the running game yeah if they if they let him, if they let him if they gave him more than a dabble
2: yeah, no, I agree and I mean I think he's earned it and I think I mean he's he's a good player and also it part of me also wants to keep preserving the the health and 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 preserve the efficiency of Tony Pollard because I tell you what there were just like a leg tackle here or there away from having the Tony Pollard explosive play back so, and so I I think you know we're really close to having that but I I I want to use these tandems t- together I want them to be more of a balanced um you know, t- as far as t- touches. And I do think the Panthers, mm-hmm. if there is one good thing about their defense, they're they actually decent against the, the the pass, whereas they're more bo- more vulnerable against the run. So I think this is one of those games mm-hmm. that, that I can see the Cowboys having over 200 yards rushing in, um, in this one. And which brings me to my last point is uh, this one. Point the fifth. Uh, this one, I think you're going to give me some... You know, some pushback on because I don't think you're going to like it. Ooh, good. I, I like that. I don't think you're going to like it. I I have a question for you, and I think should the Cowboys make Trey Lance active in this game? I mean, I know, you know, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself, and, you know, you, you got to take care of business, and maybe that seem, would seem like a very arrogant move, but I just feel like the Cowboys, like Prescott is going to be wearing his fourth quarter hat, you know, in this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the six games they've won this year. Five of them have been by 20 points or more. Three of them have been by 30 points or more. Come on. Let us see this guy. So that's going to be, I mean, I also want to see more Schoonmaker. I want to see more Jalen Brooks. So I want to see some other guys. So it's not just all about Trey Lance, but I don't know. It wouldn't. I kind of would be a little bit excited if, if uh, we learned that, you know, Trey Lance wasn't just the emergency quarterback on Sunday. So I don't know. What, what yeah, do you think I, about that? I
1: think it depends on what their plan for him is. Like, do they do they want to have him do anything this year? They want to have him give him a whole year to acclimate and an off season to acclimate. Is this is this a is this a long term play? I I really don't know because I will say if it's if it's a short term play, then they should probably do it. But if if it's a long term play, maybe not because the reality is that they're an injury away from Cooper rush playing again, and you want him to get as many reps as possible, in, you know, in game situations, um, he needs them. Uh, that's a tough one for me. Uh, I mean, listen, if I, I tell you what, I'll put it this way. If they're arrogant enough to do that, I'm all for it. I want an arrogant team. Yeah. I wonder what that, I, might- I want, I want, I want an arrogant team, but, but, um, yeah. So if that, if, that, if that's the, if they're basically, if he, if he goes in, that means that they plan to win by 30, which means that they're an arrogant bunch who was overconfident and maybe didn't prepare as hard as they needed to and still won by that well, much.
2: I love the idea of that. i tell you what, McCarthy did not take his foot off the gas in this last game. So, I mean, if you want to talk nope. about some arrogance, you know, a, I could see it happening. But I want you to give me an arrogant prediction. I, you know, well, who are you taking? I obviously know who you're taking. What kind of score do you see happening in this
1: one? I think it's going to be similar to the one that we saw last week. I think that the Cowboys are going to have their way. We we might get a – I mean, listen, the Giants, like you said, had one drive and then the rest was all just garbage time stuff. Um, and the Cowboys are trading clock for points. Let's say a similar sort of thing where the the, the Panthers get a score maybe even too late that that's completely meaningless – um I'm going to say 52 to 21. Oh, 52. Man. Uh, I think I think I the reason I say that is The incredible thing about the Cowboys output last week was that they got no cheap scores. Like they've been getting a lot of cheap scores. A lot of those big wins that you've talked about before have included at least one, if not two cheap scores. This one included zero. They didn't get a single cheap score. They didn't get a single short field. I mean, they had 80, 75, 75, 77, 82, 96. I mean, all these incredibly long drives and just, and just, you know, just erased, erased, uh, you know, any kind of, long field almost immediately by by getting explosives um i think that they're going to do what they did last week plus get a cheap score too
2: yeah i agree with you or or
1: at least be set up for a short field or two
2: i think a cheap score is happening too i'm looking i'm I'm calling a special team score in this one Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i do i got the cowboys winning 37 13 um i feel like they i feel like the second half is going to be very boring to us and i still think I don't see them doing very much. I mean, I don't see them score. Nah, I feel like it nah. will be over by the by the first half, and they'll try to. You know, we'll see so, some running. I mean, I think between the three running backs, and we talked about you know Deuce a little, I think that you'll we'll see more of him. Um, I think that just, but I don't really see the Cowboys like throwing a whole lot. So I, I feel like points won't be so plentiful in this one. But certainly, mm-hmm. um, it could be, and uh, but nonetheless, uh, d- definitely, a Cowboys route is on the horizon.
1: I think I think a real difference from last week is also that we have taken into consideration they play Thursday, right? And so, yes. if if they can get a twenty-eight point lead, there's no point in putting more wear and tear on your starters, especially your starters. So, you're, if they get if they get up twenty-one, there's no way you're seeing Zach Martin and, Ty- and Tyron Smith play. Yes, playing. precisely. Take care of business early. And listen, Marcus Lawrence, get his ass out of there because we need, we need to rest him up because he's only got three days of rest. Yes, absolutely. No, I, I That's why I, I want to see young players in the se- second half. And because uh, we got to get ready for
2: uh, hated Washington. So,
1: listen, it's the best possible scenario is to go into that, that short Thanksgiving week playing the worst team in the NFL and maybe the worst team in the NFL seen in five years.
2: Yeah, no, totally agree. So let's, uh, let's hope that uh, let's, they can just seal the deal early, and um, you know we can just kind of rest easy. And
1: um, I'm planning on it.
2: But that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please to subscribe to the Logging Voice Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you'd like to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, any matchups you're looking for, or do you like the Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving? You know, let us know. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Danny 24. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch
1: you later. Go Cowboys! Undefeated November.
0: strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk get $1,000 off vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox that's v-a-n-t-a.com slash vox for $1,000 off vanta more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals